1: Minnow provides meaningful screen time and shared experiences for families to help you grow in your faith together. Check them out at podcast.gomeno.com. That's podcast.gominno.com. Rachel Cruz is a number one New York Times bestselling author, financial expert, and host of the Rachel Cruz Show growing up as dave ramsey's daughter rachel hated budgeting for years until she experienced the freedom of budgeting for herself we are so fortunate to have her sit down with us to continue our conversation about entitlement from the previous episode talk about her new book know yourself know your money and share some fun practical ways parents can talk about money with their kids
0: Rachel, we are so excited that you would be with us, and I'm so excited I get to be with you twice in a quick span of time. And we have talked about wanting to connect with you for years, and I just had this feeling we'd be friends.
2: I love it. We are. Instantly. Totally we are. Yes. 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 When I came on your show, I was like, <laughs> yep, totally. I know, so, I know. You're so generous to well, do that and talk about you know all things with girls and anxiety and all of it because... I mean, as, I mean, the work you guys do is just phenomenal. I mean, it's unbelievable. So I'm honored, truly mm-hmm. honored to even be on here with you guys. So thank you.
0: Well, us too. And the work you do is phenomenal. You yes, change it is. so many lives. Gosh, the way you impact folks. Just so
2: very, thank very. Very great. I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah.
0: We also have had a blast talking about dogs since we sat down. And you need to tell them about your dogs, because we talk so much about the importance of dogs with kids. Oh, it's so
2: great. Yes. We have Nala, our yellow Nala. lab. She's 11. So we're talking mm-hmm. about yellow labs. Yeah. And they're, oh, they're the best. We got married. That was like our first baby. And you yeah. like- Oh, and the responsibility you feel—you just think, oh. And then kids—the first kid, and then the second kid, and then the third kid I'm in the picture. <laughs> but she's just our consistent, wonderful, yeah. wonderful dog. So, will we you love tell her. us about your kids too? Your real kids, yes. people kids? Yes, yes. So, we, Amelia is six, and I guess when this airs, she'll be in first grade. Wow. And then Caroline will be four, and I'm doing it when this—you know—I'm like, okay. And then uh-huh. Charles will be two. So, wow. yes, we did the two-year apart thing which was, I don't know if it was the wisest decision we've ever made with our lives. But we are like, (laughs) it is insane pretty much all the time. But it's been so fun. I mean, parenting is, people say it and it's true. I'm like, it's the hardest thing Mm -hmm. I think we've ever done. But it's the most rewarding, most incredible thing that we've ever done. And so that's one reason I love y'all's podcasts. Because you help us parents who are insane. And we're like, we don't know what to do.
1: So this season is called Modern Parents Vintage Values. And I'd love to ask you a two-part question in response to that. What do you think is different in today's world, and what do you think are some of the modern parents' biggest hurdles today?
2: In the framework of money, I would say, you know, if you look where we're at versus even 20 years ago, even the logistical side of how we handle money is so different, like almost Majority of purchases are online right now. You're not handling actual cash. You're not seeing that connection. Your kids aren't getting that example like you would get. If you go to church and you would watch your parents, I did, growing up, then they would you know drop a check into the offering basket. Yes. Even simple things like that, all of that has really been taken away because of the internet. So it's an amazing thing the way we even just handle our money logistically. But then I think the values of money have shifted. I mean, sadly, I think that it has become— something that people depend upon in an unhealthy way. It becomes so much a security. And even looking back on 2020, like that was shaken to our core for millions of people. And so you just see how much we've built our value system upon this thing in our life that isn't supposed to be that. Like right, money is a tool to create a life that we love and that we want and that we can help others and all of that. But it's become almost this idol. And I just feel like it feels different now than it did even 20 years ago. And then I would say, what is, what was the second question, Dave? I already forgot. I, 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 you are. I threw
1: so much at you. No, it's I, easy no, to do. I was like, two-part <laughs> question.
2: I can do this. What
1: do you think are some of the biggest hurdles oh, right. that minor parents face?
2: You guys are better experts on this, but social media, I think, plays such a huge role. I mean, the comparison game, the idea of instant gratification, seeing something, and you can just, as you even just scroll what your mind does when you see something, even as adults, right? I mean, let alone our kids, but... As adults that we want and you see it and then you can go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And so it's just so overwhelming. And it detaches this idea of, again, going back to the idea that you can just online shop, of seeing something you want, you know, 20 years ago in a magazine and then (laughs) having to go to a store. You know, there's time between Mm, that. I mean, even like the dopamine hit of like, I want to spend, I want to spend actually can't occur because you actually have to go and take time to go purchase something. And now it's just constant. And so you layer that on top on… And then kids, their perspective of just seeing what everyone has. And of course, we all know social media is your best foot forward and they're seeing the best of everything. And Mm. it's just really difficult from a lifestyle perspective, trying to teach them what life looks like, because Mm. it seems like, you know, if you graduate college and you go on to work, you start to see, wow, people are getting raises. People are getting promoted. People are killing it. And then you start comparing that side of your life. I mean, it's just all of it. And so it's pretty overwhelming for parents, even with the money portion.
1: so true.
0: I think we would say from our standpoint, counseling kids, that we feel like kids are more entitled than they've ever been. And so what would you say is
2: contributing to that for parents or for kids specifically? I mean, I can speak for myself and I hate to say it, but there's almost this with parenting, if you're in a rough spot, and again, I have littles, but it's like, I can almost change the conversation if I'm like, okay, let's just get a new necklace, okay? Like, yeah, you know, like you can almost put a Band-Aid over something and go to Amazon and it's 3 dollars and you justify it in your head as a parent, oh, it was just 3 $4. That's great. You can mask things so easily as parents for your kids. Years ago, there was always like the Disney World parents, we'd call them, quote unquote, right. because it's like, oh yeah, they're like the fun parent or if parents are divorced, usually one parent was like the Disney World parent. They go there and dad gives me everything. He buys me everything. But that instant gratification, I think, plays into parenting too, sadly. Yes. And so I think that that's a part that as parents, we give in a lot. And I think as parents too, with the money side, it takes such intentionality and such time and effort and energy that a lot of parents don't feel like they have to teach their kids proper money management, to teach them, hey, money comes from work, so we're not going to just give you an allowance. You're going to be on commission. (laughs) That's how I was growing up, right? You work, and then that's how you make money. That's what Mm -hmm. happens. That's the cause and effect thing in life, and that's what you learn even at five years old but that's exhausting. you know. Even doing right. that, keeping up with it, putting a chart on the, and, and doing check marks, I mean, all of it. Money is one item out of 50 things as parents were thinking about. And so putting the time and the effort in it can be so tiring. And I think parents just don't feel like they have the capacity or the margin to do that. And so that's one thing I really do encourage parents. that it's on a legalistic mindset and it doesn't have to take hours and hours and hours and hours. In fact, your example is so huge, like more is caught than taught. And yes how you're handling money as a parent speaks even louder than what you're just specifically teaching your kids on a tactical level. Mm. I
0: love that. And I mean, even what you're teaching them, what you're modeling for them, and thinking about it like a parenting strategy too. I think that's so fascinating to think about it that way. And what in us is arising from a place of discomfort that we feel like we have to have something that fixes it. And is that from an emotional standpoint of you don't know how to step in? And I feel like you talk about that so much in your... New book, but I think, gosh, it's just so important to look at what are the rhythms that you're having and where do you kind of default towards that and
2: why? Yes. Because that seems like where we have to start. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of discontentment in general Mm. in our world, right? But I think even with our kids, because again, they're seeing what this kid has this pair of shoes at school or this girl got this purse at Christmas. Like, and it's just stuff, 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 stuff. And this materialism is so heightened. And so I always tell people, you know, it's okay to have nice stuff. Just don't let your nice stuff have you. Mm. Mm. That's and so a great way to say it. It. Can, yes. it can have you financially as parents if you go into debt for it, right? Like you don't own that thing in that moment. But it also can have you when that joy, that contentment peace that you think it's fulfilling you. And again, we're all guilty of it. I am. But thinking, okay, if I can just have that, I'll be happy. If I can just have that, I'll be good. And you live your life like that. And you're a rat in a wheel. You never make any forward progress. And I think our kids can do that as well. If I could just have this. And so you have to break that. And again, not push that stuff as evil or wrong because it's not, it's okay. It's okay to have a great car. It's okay to have a great purse at Christmas if that's what we buy, you know, that's fine. But it's the value of who they are is so, so important to speak life into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and speaking of your new book, I want to camp out there for a few minutes. I would say to any parent listening, I don't know a parent who wouldn't benefit from reading this book. I don't know a person who wouldn't benefit from reading this book. So even while I'm saying that, make a note for yourself to go to your local bookstore and get it, get online and buy it right now (laughs) while we're talking. But will you just talk some about it? Why you even wrote it?
2: Yes. So know yourself, know your money. It kind of came from this place, honestly, a little bit of my own journey over the last probably four years. I have done more reading, more counseling, all of it on me. Mm. I mean, I took the Enneagram. We were talking about that earlier. (laughs) I read the book, The Birth Order. You know, I'm a middle child and I was realizing so much about myself and why I do the things I do. And that self-awareness piece was so huge for me. By no means I have arrived, but I think I became a better wife. I think I became a better mom, a better friend. All these roles I play in my life, i realized I'm just doing it in such a healthier way because I'm so aware of myself. And so Mm -hmm. I was kind of in that journey personally. And one night I just remember thinking— okay, so what about my money? Like, this is what Mm. I talk about day in and day out. What about me and the way I handle my money? Why do I? I kept asking that why question. Why? Mm. Why do I do that? And so I realized, you know, for 11 years now, I've been talking about the how-to of money, how to budget, how to get out of debt, how to invest, how to give, how to refinance. I mean, how, how, how? And all those are very important. But when you kind of go into that foundation and kind of go to the root system of our hearts and who we are, I realize a lot of life's problems kind of masquerade themselves as money problems. So when I'm talking so to someone true. about a budget and like I just can't budget, budget doesn't work for me, and you start to dig in and ask more questions, you realize okay, there's kind of a level of discontentment there, right? Mm-hmm. An idea that they cope with just spending. So of course a budget's not going to work because there's no boundaries. Or you know married couples I talk to a lot and they're like money's our one thing, we just can't get on the same page, can't get on the same page never going to work. And you start to dive in. You're like, okay, there's like some trust issues here, right? There's some lack of respect yeah. from one spouse to the other. You know, and that's not a money problem. That's a marriage problem. So for me, I was like, I want to get to that root system. So the whole book is laid out of why we handle money the way we do. Everything from our childhood to our dreams, to our money fears, to our goals, to our tendencies. I mean, all of it makes it up. When you can just pinpoint it, you can start to say, okay, that's why. And I had so much awareness even writing the book. I thought, oh gosh, I'm you know I'm sure you guys felt like that when you write books. You're like, yes. oh okay, okay, yep, mm-hmm. I kind of needed that. That was oh, that was it. <laughs> I get so convicted every time I
0: write anything. I think,
2: oh, I yes, think I'm going to be writing yes, this for myself. Yes, yes.
0: for sure. Wow. I love the idea of money classrooms too, and I would love for you to explain those a little bit more and how they impact us.
2: Yes, so I realized that money. It's communicated in two ways in a household. It's communicated verbally, but it's also communicated emotionally. And so as I was writing the book, I was like, okay, and and then I realized oh, I was like, oh, it creates this quadrant. I was like, God, thank you for the graph. Like, I love graphs. Like, this is so perfect. And so, i I'm sure you're not a one? But uh, yeah, I know, I know. I put three, but I, I do love a good graph and a checklist. I do. And so, it ended up being these four money classrooms. The first one is the anxious money classroom. Mm. And that is where it's emotionally stressed, but verbally closed. So, Wait, will you say that again? So, emotionally, emotionally stressed, but verbally, verbally closed. closed. So, money is not talked about. But you can sense it. I mean, even as a child, you can feel the tension in the air. You know something is isn't right, and, but no one says a word about it. Mm. So you kind of grow up in that anxious money classroom. And then classroom two is the unstable money classroom. And this is where it's emotionally stressed and verbally open. So if you grew up in this classroom, lots of money fights. You probably heard your parents have the same money fight over and over and over and over again. One parent, you know, if you grew up in a single home, probably you know, was bashing a friend about money. You know, it's just this— Talking about money, but it was all in a stress, pressured environment. So that unstable environment. Classroom three is the unaware money classroom. So this is where it's emotionally calm, but verbally closed. So this classroom, your head's kind of in the sand. You never even probably thought about money growing up, and you graduated, got off on your own, and you realize, I have no clue how money works. No one said anything to me about it, but it's not a big deal. And then you realize, oh, this is way more complicated and a big deal. And then classroom four is the secure money classroom. And so this is where it's emotionally calm, but verbally open. So this is where I challenge all my readers. I'm like, I want everyone in their current family to move to that fourth money classroom where you can talk about money openly. And it doesn't mean you have a ton of it. You could have $10, you could have 10 million, but it's the idea that's communicated. It's talked about and and talked about tactically, again, like we said earlier, working, giving, saving, spending, all these Mm -hmm. basic principles, but also the emotional side of money. You know, that contentment we're talking about, the entitlement, generosity, all of that is talked about. And then it's emotionally calm. So that means as parents, you probably have, you need control over money in order to create that calm environment. So that means you're on a plan. You know what's happening. Again, even if the money's tight, you at least have a level of control because you know what's going on
1: the raising boys and girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with minnow did you know that minnow has an award-winning children's bible written by veggie creator phil Vischer? the minnow laugh and grow bible for kids is more than a children's bible storybook it's a deep engaging and whimsical gospel experience each bible story is vividly illustrated takes just minutes to read and includes a family connection to encourage readers to learn, talk, and pray together. Find out more at shop.gomeno.com. That's shop.gominno.com.
0: Shout out to Clareton for supporting this episode and providing us with samples.
1: Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee.
0: Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief.
1: Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live and Clear with Claritin D.
0: This double-action combination of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available.
1: So, you can live Claritin Clear.
0: Use as directed. As we've talked so much about anxiety with kids, yes, and it's just yes. exploding, I have heard more kids in the last year feel the weight of their parents' finances and feel oh, wow. anxious about, mm. well, I'm just even worried about being in counseling because they know that their parents are spending money in counseling oh, wow. and all the different things. I just, I don't know that I've really ever heard kids talk about it with the emotion that they've talked about it and the fear in the last year. And I think it's part of that loop, you know, the one loop roller coaster that kids get on. Do you hear that from oh, boys yes. too? Oh, yes.
1: And obviously the number of parents who've lost jobs or been yes, furloughed or had to cut a back it, that I think is- all that's come to the surface in a yeah. new way.
0: I just am curious how you would say parents can talk about it, how much to share with kids. I feel like that's so important yeah, for us. Yes, well, to that's what I was going to say. I was about so to answer. we're one yes, I love we it. We're in one mind yeah, to see there you I, was go. Go. I was like, I'm about to
2: answer <laughs> the question you're going to ask. <laughs> So this phrase has always stuck with me with parenting is, is share, but don't scare. Oh, that's
0: good. And so there's a We level. can say that about everything. Yeah, that's
2: right. That's right. You can take it. I, yeah. I stole it from someone. I don't even know who I took it from. I would give them credit, but I don't know who it was. And I don't think it's an age thing. I think it's a level of knowing your kids mm. on an emotional level, what they can handle. So obviously you're not going to go to your six-year-old and tell them you're being foreclosed on, right? We're having to, you know, I mean, like, we're going to be smart about it. And so knowing your kids, I think, is really key. So I think that there's a level of opening up if your lifestyle is going to change. So for the parent that lost a job— or was furloughed, or is in a totally different financial situation than they were before 2020. And the lifestyle is going to change. You are going to cut back. You may not go on vacation this year. I mean, things are going to look different. And again, y'all are the parenting experts. But I would recommend parents communicate those expectations beforehand Mm -hmm. and just say, hey, here's what it's going to look like. Mom and dad have you. You're good. So You are good. Don't you worry. Everything's going to be taken care of. But- we may not do pizza night every Friday night. You know, we may just be going out to eat once a week. We may not do the beach trip. You know what I mean? Like, yes. but, it, but it's all going to be okay. And I think too, there's kind of a beauty that came out of, a lot of hard, sad, dark things came out of 2020. But I think one thing it pushed forward for a lot of people and as parents specifically, for me, I was like, I've realized that I want to put my time and my intention and my money on things that money can't buy. Mm. So if you took money out of the picture, what does that leave you with, right? And as a parent, it leaves you with your children, if you're married, your marriage, if you're spiritual, your spiritual walk, your health, taking care of your body. I mean, these things that you just can't buy and putting time and energy into those things Mm. versus even vacations are great. I think they're awesome. And I think families need to take them. I think it's wonderful. But I feel like we look to the future so much on our calendars, like, okay, that vacation's going to work or we're going to upgrade cars in one year and and that's going to make everything better, right? It goes back Mm. to this idea that things are going to, Fulfill us. And Mm -hmm. so that goes off to our kids. And so I think when you have to pull back as a parent financially, communicating that, but also see it as a gift. I mean, there's a time where you're like, man, as a family, we get to do things we never would have done because we don't have the resources right now to go do the things we would have done.
1: It's great. That's great. So great. Well, and even building on that, as parents, we want the best for our kids. How can we make sure that they grow up with healthy money habits?
2: Yeah, this is a big one. You know, I think with money specifically, parents can label their kids so easily as like the good or bad ones with money. So I talk about in the book, tendencies, seven money tendencies I write about, and I made sure that none of them are good or bad. I just want it to be the scale, right? And so there can be unhealthiness on the extremes of all these tendencies, but there's not a good or a bad one. It's just who you are. So for instance, one's a spender and saver. So as a parent, you probably know that with your kids, if they get money, you know the ones that just burn a hole through their pocket and they just spend, and the ones that save. And I was the spender. I was the one that—I mean, I would have literally a dollar, you guys, and we'd be checking out the grocery store. And I'm like, "How much bubble gum can I get, mom?" And she's like, "Rachel, <laughs> just like walk out and not buy something." I mean, I just naturally was that spender. And I think in the financial space, people shame a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're—you're you're not a saver. Oh well. I'm like, no, I'm a spender, but I save. I can still make these habits in my life and be wise with money but it's still who I am. And that's okay. And so I think with parents, knowing your kids' tendencies with money and just celebrating that, again, on the extremes, it can go unhealthy. If a spender, if I spend everything I make, I'm going to be broke and we don't want that, but understanding, okay, this is who they are. So I think that that's big. We said it earlier, but more is caught than taught. I mean, Mm. gosh, your kids are watching you. So many of my money memories are not, shockingly, Dave Ramsey did not sit us down and have like these (laughs) budget summits every year. And like, that didn't happen. You know, we didn't have any of that. It was just in the ebb and flow of life Mm -hmm. and watching them and asking questions or them just mentioning things here and there. I mean, it was just so organic. And so I think for parents, their example is still, it's going to be huge.
0: If you had to say three things that you think parents can do to instill a sense of gratitude and responsibility financially with kids, what are three things you would pick?
2: So we're talking about contentment earlier. And I think that there's kind of these three main buckets and it's more emotional. I love tactical things. When Mm -hmm. I go more emotional, it's kind of hard for me sometimes, but I think it's important. It's a spirit that I think you Mm. can really form in your home. But I think starting with gratitude, simple gratitude. And I think things as simple as, again, I have littles, but making them say thank you, right? And please, these kind of things. Mom, I I want my cereal. I'm like, okay, let's do that again. May I have my cereal, please? I'm like, yes, thank you. Like Even your words, right? Your Mm -hmm. words are so powerful and just that gratitude and talking to them. And Winston and I, we try to do this as much as possible, but just saying we're believers. And so there's this whole other spiritual side, how we view our money, but it's like, this is a gift, you guys. And us pointing things out that, that's you know, great. and not even that other kids can't do this, you know, I think that that is fine to say because that's true, but also just like, guys, this is so special and such a gift. Like, God has blessed us so much. So that gratitude piece is so key. And then once you kind of have that, and again, as adults, I even have to work on this, but. Once you have that foundation, moving to humility, I think is really important. And I love what Rick Warren says about humility. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Mm-hmm. And so teaching our kids that, that the world is not an axis that runs to the middle of their head, right? That there are other people, <laughs> yes, there are other needs, and that's part of what money is. Part of money is giving. And mm-hmm. so that humility piece, so once you're grateful for what you have, being able to look up and see the world and say, okay, there's things in need. And so as a family, be giving, be giving as a family. I think it's one of the greatest gifts you can give your kids in the serving and the monetary, I mean, all of it, but making that a spirit in your home and that humility is breed because it's like, yeah, wow. Like I don't have to put myself down in it, but man, life is not all about me. How can I serve and give to others? And then I think that's kind of what leads into that contentment piece, Mm. That we were talking about earlier, and and that contentment is not laziness or apathy, but it really is this peace that God has you where he has you, or you are where you are for a reason. So all that, again, it's more that emotional side, but I think those three buckets are something that parents can really focus on, and I think all of that breeds a sense of that gratitude and that generosity, all of it. But it's, again, something to kind of think through, and it takes work. And so I know it's another thing on parents' plates, but I think it is a really important thing because... Andy Andrews said, and I love this quote, he said, you're not just trying to raise good kids, you're trying to raise kids to be good adults. Mm. So what do you want them to be as an adult and kind of instilling that? And yeah, we all hate adults that are (laughs) selfish and greedy and, you know, not fun to go to dinner with because all they do is talk about themselves. You know, we know those people. And so how do you cultivate a child that it's not all about them?
1: Mm. Mm. I love that. You talked about your three amazing kids a little earlier, what would you say is something they're teaching you right now?
2: Oh, gosh, they teach us a lot. You know, I hate this, but it's just true. It's the season of life we're in that it is like a day at a time for us. So it's like, okay, you wake up, you do breakfast, you get them ready for school, you get them out the door, you come home. You know, if I've been working that day, you know, you're trying to get dinner going, you get dinner, you get baths. If there's a gymnastics night you or something else, you're doing that and you're going to bed and it's like, oh, So it's almost like the life can get sucked out of you because you're just going, it seems like just one thing after the other. And there's, and again, my season of parenting is so physical, it's high chairs and it's still diapers and it's backpacks and packing lunches. I mean, it's just getting them dressed, you know, two of them, thankfully can now dress themselves, which that's a great gift. But like, you know, (laughs) you're just, you're just moving a lot. And so you're just tired. And so one thing that kids, all kids do, they just insert fun and goofiness. I mean, even just their little prayers at night. I mean, they just make you laugh. I mean, it's just. And I'm like, man, the levity that they can bring to us is such a gift. Such a gift. And once tonight, and we try to be intentional, of just having fun. You know, even the other night, someone tossed food, and so I just threw it right back at them, and they're like what? Mom just threw food at me. And then we started laughing. They threw food. You know what I mean? It was kind of this back and forth and they're like, what? And I was like, we summer being fun right now? I'll have to clean up the kitchen, but like, this is fun. They're having fun. And so, yeah, so that's something that they always teach us is just the levity and the fun in life.
0: Okay, you've said a lot of great ones of these already, but just backing up, if you had to say like two or three of your overarching guiding principles as a parent, what would you say?
2: Oh, man. Winston and I have been intentional with this, and it's probably our generation. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, I want my kids to emotionally—I want to be connected to them emotionally. So I think like knowing your kids— as much as possible, and again, this is the work you guys do, which is just so brilliant. But and you help us parents do this. But yeah, just just knowing them. Like the, I think my generation with the baby boomers, right? I mean, you know, and my, my parents were wonderful, and they did they engaged us, which I'm so thankful for. But even just talking to friends and all that, I'm like, man, parents just didn't ask questions. Right? They didn't have dinner. Like we had family dinners, like field not have family dinners. I mean, like all of these things. I thought, man, that's when you get to know your kids. And so for us, my guiding principle or Winston eyes, we really just want to know know our kids and what's going on with them and their hearts. So that's one part for us. I would say a guiding principle. I want my kids to learn again. We said it earlier, but it's just true. I want money to be a tool. I don't want it something to control them. And we live in a world that money controls people, controls their decisions. It controls their options. I mean, it is the controlling factor. And I want to reverse that so strongly where you control it. You tell it what to do on a tactical level of budget, right? That's Mm -hmm. what a budget is. I'm going to be in charge of it, and and it's not going to dictate my life. I'm going to use it as a tool. And so I think that perspective is something that I want to teach my kids. That, again, money, it's not the end-all, be-all. It's not the only thing we strive for in life. And so it's a tool to create a great life and help others, but that's what it is. It's just a tool.
1: That great desire of yours, it could change the game for so many families. Just listening to you say that and thinking about what it's like to sit, as we discussed earlier, on the other side of the couch from – kids who are feeling the weight of that when it is controlling their parents in certain ways. So I just can't tell you enough times how important the work you're doing Mm. is and how I think it's going to impact generations. So it really is such an honor that you would carve out time and space to be with us today. You've no idea how grateful we are for you and your work. And we love to end the time in a different space, kind of a uh, moving from the substantive to the silly. And if there had been a line item in my budget since birth It would have been for tacos. That one really has never <laughs> changed from <laughs> decade to decade. And we would love to know your favorite kind of taco. Oh if we were going to have tacos okay. with you, what would that no, look is like? It where? Is it just
2: Mexican or is it tacos?
1: You have complete freedom okay. to go where you'd like to go with that.
2: I actually had it last night. Really? So my favorite Mexican restaurant in Nashville is Garcia's. They have two locations, one in Franklin, one in Cool Springs, and they have a dish called Taco Loco, and I get chicken. Never had And that. it is diced up chicken with veggies, just a bunch of good stuff. And then they kind of – they put a little queso in it, and they mix it all Ooh. together. And then they give you shells and black beans and guacamole, and you make, make kind your of your own, own taco. Wow. But it's the Taco Loco. Oh. Oh, uh, and I went and texted me yesterday, which is the best gift in the world to me because I love going out to eat. And he's like, let's just pick up food tonight. And I was like, yes, the barbecue
0: chicken can wait <laughs> till next
2: week. I won't defrost it. And I was like, and I, that's how I said, let's do Garcia's and I'll take one taco loco, please. Because, oh. I love it. Isn't Mexican great? It's mm. so great. I mean, what it's just it's wonderful. It's my favorite. It it's it's really it probably is my favorite genre of food. So that'd be my favorite taco, the taco loco from Garcia's. Good we choice. want to go there with you. I know. Yeah, I know yes. we should. Yes. What's yours? What's the favorite Mexican dish? I
1: love a breakfast taco. I love a breakfast taco for dinner. Like there's just not a wrong time of day to have a breakfast taco in my I opinion. I agree
2: with you. Good yes. point.
1: Yeah. What about you?
0: You know, it depends on where for me. I go with fajitas a lot. I think I would be really excited about taco loco to make <laughs> my own. Be. Yeah, I think I would really love that it's option. delicious. <laughs> yes. And I would totally echo what David said. I just, gosh, this conversation. I feel like I've learned so much hearing you talk and just am so grateful. And as you have been talking, Rachel, I've been thinking, I'm so grateful for your words. I'm so grateful for the truth that you are sharing mm. that's going to change generations. And- I'm so grateful for your heart in it. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have this amazing—money is one of the hardest things in the world to talk about, Mm -hmm. and you have this humility as you're talking about that and graciousness and warmth that I think it makes these hard truths so palatable and so accessible for people. And I just, gosh, it is so obvious that God picked you to do exactly what you're doing right oh. now. And just that you are sharing that voice with us and that we
2: get to sit in the room with you. is such a gift. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys again. It's an honor. The work you guys do is wonderful. So we could just go round and round right right back at, at it. it. Yes. I'm wonderful. We'll <laughs> do wonderful it. Yeah, yeah. But thank you. Over thank you. Thank you next time. Yes, absolutely. Thanks.
1: The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is brought to you in partnership with Minnow. Minnow helps you make screen time meaningful for your family, which shows kids love, and values parents' trust. Check them out at podcast.gominnow.com. That's podcast.gominnow.com.